Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Tony Yeah, You in tune to the Street News Network, where we bring it to you with absolutely no chaser. You know, I say that all the time, right? Right? You know I do. You know I do. Because I don't like to chase stuff. You know what I'm saying? I like to bring it to you straight from the streets. And we're wrapping up 2022, ladies and gentlemen. And we're coming to a pair of ears near you with some hot, earth-shaking news. So put on your gear, folks, because this is going to hurt just a little bit. Religion. What exactly is religion and how does it affect you? That's something that we want to know. How does religion affect you in your life? Are you a religious person? And if you are, which religion do you follow? Are you one of the mainstream? You're Christian. You're Muslim. You're Jewish. You're Hare Krishna. Is Hare Krishna mainstream? I think it's an afterthought kind of thing. But what are you? What? How does religion play in your life? And here in America, how does religion play in your life? Are you feeling like religion takes a backseat to everything? Is religion in your way? Does it crowd you? Does it block you from being the most productive person you can be? Does it upset you? Does it get in your way? Does it provide you with the freedoms necessary to be the person that you are destined to be, maybe? What is it about religion that attracts you or repels you? Some people say that religion is an organized program that serves no other purpose but to limit a person's actions, thoughts, and beliefs. So many people, for example, don't like Christianity, and there are so many people who use Christianity as a crutch or as a battering ram. Some people use Christianity as a way of proving to you that Christianity doesn't exist. What, is your, what are your thoughts? How do you feel about it? What does Christianity do for you? What does Islam do for you? What does being Jewish do for you? Now, we have a lot of noise in the news lately about uh, Judaism and anti-Semitism. Um, we've picked out several celebrities who have made statements that some people call anti-Semitic statements or anti-Jewish statements. And, you know, it's, it's, it's highly possible that these are statements that were made. Uh, but I think sometimes some things can be taken out of context. Sometimes some things can be taken a little too far. And then sometimes there are things that have not gone far enough in terms of how we respond to people who make certain statements. So there's a rapper that you all know named Kanye West, who goes by another name. Can't figure out what that name is. But, you know, there's the talk that he's made some anti-Semitic statements, some things that he says that, you know, that people say that, shows that he has no appreciation for Jewish people. Well, let me ask this question. I don't know the stuff that he said. I'm, I'm not one of his fans. I don't follow him. Um, but you can't get anywhere in the news without hearing that he has said some stupid stuff. Uh, well, as a matter of fact, I'll go back. One of my staff presented to me a video of him being on Alex Jones's show. Uh, that's the right wing nut, nut who said that Columbine didn't really happen. Yeah, that idiot. Um, he was on that show with a hood over his face, a zipper hood over his face, 
and yet he was trying to talk about how much he liked Hitler. Well, you know, um, Hitler did a terrible thing. Okay, he did. His his creation of what he called an Aryan race uh, is a crazy thing. But let's let's nail some things down first of all before we jump deep into the religious thing. It doesn't matter, ladies and gentlemen, where you were born. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what country you were born in. It doesn't matter what the belief system was or is in the place that you were born. You were not born a religion. You were born a person who chose a religion. Now, that is not to say that you were not deeply immersed into a religion based on your parents. I know that there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of Christians who were brought up in so-called Christian households. Their parents, you know, read the Bible. Their parents went to church on a regular basis. Their parents tried to do things that followed the Bible, and therefore you would have a Christian background, and therefore you would go to a Christian church. But then, when it's your turn to be committed, you may want to second think that. Is Christianity the right thing for you? There are people who were born Christian who have converted to Islam. There are people who were born Islam or Muslim who have converted to Christianity. There are people who were born in a Jewish household who have chosen Islamic or Christian religion as a religion to follow. And so the vicious cycle keeps going. But I want to stress to you that no matter which one you pick, it is a selection that you have to make. You see, there's only one person who lived on this earth who could get you into heaven. And that was you. You're the only person who can get you into heaven. And for those of you who don't believe, who are atheists, who don't believe in heaven and hell, who don't believe in God and evil and all that other good stuff. That's fine. That's fine. That's what you believe. I just got a couple questions for you. Where does the idea, the thought, the intention, the desire of doing good come from? And where does its equal yet opposite come from? Hmm? Where does it come from? A baby coming out of the womb has no idea that it's hungry mentally. Wanting to eat is an automatic response that the body says, I got to have something to eat. So the baby cries when the baby is hungry. The baby cries when the baby's wet. The baby doesn't say, hey, mama, take me to the bathroom. I got to go poo poo. No. He lets go. Whether the baby has on a diaper or not, you're going to get it. Okay? The same thing with everything else. You're not born of a particular religion. You have to be taught. Same thing goes with everything. As a child, as an infant, you are born as a blank slate. Your parents have a blank slate to write on. What they don't realize is down the road, you turn that blank slate into what's called a child's toy called an Etch-A-Sketch. 
You can draw all of these lines on an Etch-a-Sketch, turning the two knobs in any direction that you want, creating whatever your artistic desires and abilities can allow you to create. But all it takes, after you've spent hours creating something magnificent, all it takes is a little shake-up to erase every bit of it. So as your parents spend time molding you, sculpting you into the perfect whatever they want you to be, whether it's religious, political, or whatever, all you need is a little shakeup in your life to throw all of those plans, all of those, all of that work off course or even out of existence. So, how do you feel about religion? How, if you are a religious person, how do you use your religion? For the next few shows, we're going to talk about religion. We're going to talk about different religions. Today, we're going to jump on Christianity. Okay? What exactly is it? Where does it come from? Christianity is, in its simplest form, being a Christian is striving to be Christ-like. We're not getting into the argument as to whether Christ was who he said he was or not. We're going to do that on another show. Let's just accept the fact that Jesus Christ is the son of God today. Let's accept that for this show. Okay. Jesus was the first and only example of what perfection is like. Now, will we any, any of us become perfect? Of course not. And here's the number one thing. Whenever you do something that's wrong, whatever you when you admit that I was wrong, I'm wrong for doing so and so, stop adding to that your disclaimer of, hey, I'm not perfect. Because we know. You don't have to tell us what we know. Nobody's arguing about your perfection. We're arguing about the stupid thing you just said or did that you shouldn't have said or did. That's what we're talking about. It doesn't, if you were perfect, you wouldn't have done that. So, you can take that and throw that out. Just stop with, hey, I'm sorry I made a mistake. I didn't mean to say or do that. Or I shouldn't have said or meant to do it. Because if you said it and did it, you meant to do it and say it. So just say, I apologize for having said or done it. Okay? Repent and turn away from your evil ways. Okay? Being Christ-like is meaning to imitate the life of Christ. Now, I know what you're going to say. I know what couple of you going to say, like you over there on my left, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, you know, how do we really know Jesus was perfect? Well, you're going to have to go through the scripture and find that out. Oh, come on. Really? Did you just say that the Bible doesn't tell us everything about Jesus? Did you just say that? You did. Oh, okay. Well, the things that the Bible does not tell you about Jesus maybe you don't need to be concerned with the things the Bible did tell you about Jesus, how you live in those things. Let's work with that. Maybe there are some things about Jesus you don't need to know. Just like there's some things about you the rest of the world doesn't need to know. How are you feeling about protecting your privacy? How are you feeling about protecting things that went on and go on in your life? This is not to say that anything about Jesus is hidden. What's most important is, number one, how do you treat the people around you? 
How did Jesus treat the people around him? Jesus spent his life educating people about the ways of God. Jesus is the one person who walked on this planet who fulfilled all of the prophecies that pertained to the coming Messiah, teacher, savior. He is the one person who fulfilled all of those prophecies. A couple people may have sprinkled in and done a few things, but Jesus fulfilled every last one of them. No one else has. Not even David Koresh, who is, by the way, dead. Not even Jim Jones, who is, guess what, by the way, dead. Okay? None of these so-called prophets who claim to be the next coming. And Muslims, I know you're going to hate me. But Muhammad, dead. Yep, still in the grave. Okay? Don't hate. Okay? Don't hate. Just recognize. All right? The thing is, Jesus did die. Jesus was crucified on the cross. He did die. He did come back. Jesus used a lot of parables to try to explain to people about being God-fearing, God-loving, and loving your neighbors. Jesus said to his disciples to go out and preach the gospel to every nation. What exactly is the gospel? What exactly is the gospel? Well, the gospel is teaching about who God is and who his son, Jesus Christ, is. I bet you thought I was going to say was, didn't you? No, because Jesus is still alive. Jesus has always been, as he says, he was there in the beginning. And he'll be there always. Remember, we worship the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Father, God. The Son, Jesus. The Holy Ghost, the manifestation of the work of God and the Son, the Trinity, okay? To be a Christian means that you are working to be like Christ, which means you are sacrificing yourself on a daily basis. You are putting other people in front of you on a daily basis. You are sharing with them about God, about Christ, so that people that you share this with are able to save themselves. They're able to study, get to know God, get to know their selves. Because the greatest war is not a war between two people. The greatest war is you against you. Okay? Here's something that happened in the beginning. Lucifer, who was also called the bright morning star, and now you know him as Satan, the terrible... Lucifer was an archangel. You remember the story about Michael, the archangel, and Gabriel, the archangel? Well, archangels are at the top of the angel list. And Lucifer was one of the archangels. And Lucifer, being an archangel, had angels that answered to him. Let's look at it like a corporate structure. He had angels that answered to him. Just like, let's say, if you're a manager, you got supervisors that answer to you and who have subordinates who answer to them. Okay, now, Lucifer, for some strange reason, had it in his mind that he said to his top angels, he goes, you know what, dudes, um, we could run this place. We could do this. We could we could we could we could control all of this. Now, all of this is heaven and everything that falls under heaven. Okay. But he says we could do this. We could run this place. 
I could be God. We could overthrow God who sits on the throne and run this thing ourselves. Now, <laughs> he had all of these angels who agreed, go like, yeah, yeah, we could do this, man. Yeah, yeah, we could do this. We could run this place, man. Yeah. And so, here comes a fight. And God says to his other archangels, he said, Michael, take care of this for me. Michael says, I'm on it, boss. Lucifer and Michael went at it. Well, no matter what Oprah Winfrey tells you about there's no such thing as God and God is everything around us, Satan lost to Michael. He was then thrown down to earth. Now, we can debate why Lucifer decided to do this. Some say that he did this because he didn't like the fact that God created Adam and wanted him to have to be subservient to Adam. Which, by the way, angels exist under God's order to serve mankind. You ever heard of a guardian angel? I'm not saying you got one or you don't have one, but... History has proven that angels have come down and have helped us and have saved us and have informed us of God's choices, decisions, rules, regulations, and even doled out punishment. Do you remember when the Pharaoh refused to let the Egyptians go and the ten plagues came along? Remember the hand of death? That was an angel that came down and slew the firstborn of everyone who did not have the blood of the lamb sprinkled across the door seal. That was at the hand of God. That angel worked for God. So, angels do God's work. Satan, Lucifer, I'm sorry, even acknowledged the angels when he said to Jesus in the desert as he was trying to tempt him, he said to him, cast yourself down from this pinnacle. And I promise you, the angels, it is written that the angels will grab you before your foot strikes a single stone. They will rescue you. So do it. If you are the true son of God, do it. God will protect you. He'll send angels down to catch you so that your foot won't strike a single stone. Go ahead. Do it. To which Jesus replied, It is also written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. To this, Lucifer had to leave because he had lost in his quest to win Jesus over through carnal means. But when Lucifer was thrown down by Michael, Lucifer took with him one third of the heavenly hosts one-third of the angels. We don't know how big that number is or isn't. We just know that the Bible says he took a third. So, he is here now. The one thing, contrary to Flip Wilson, for those of you who've ever heard of comedian Flip Wilson, used to have a a line that he would say in his monologue or in his skits, he would say, the devil made me do it. 
contrary to what Flip Wilson has said. The devil will never make you do anything. The devil will only put choices in front of you. And where does the devil get those choices from? The one thing the devil cannot do is this. The devil cannot read your mind. He is powerful. I will not take that away from him. He is powerful. He does have capabilities. But what the devil cannot do is the devil cannot read your mind and the devil cannot make you do anything. Those are the two things that has kept him all of this time from being able to overthrow the world because he cannot read your mind. Therefore, he does not know what you're thinking and he cannot make you do things that he wants you to do to show disfavor to God. Now, his goal, his goal is to overthrow you, is to get you so convinced to be against God, to do things contrary to what God wants you to do, to commit yourself to a life of sin. He wants that to happen. And the only way he can do that is when you start doing things that show your weakness he then knows what your weakness is and he then knows what things to put in front of you. Okay? He knows if you're the kind of person who is greedy and you love money and you'll do anything to get money, money is most important to you, more important than the people you love and care about, he'll find other people who feel the same way or he'll find people who have money but lack the understanding and the ability to know how to manage that money, he'll find a way to bring the two of you together. Okay? Through the circumstances in your lives, he'll bring the two of you together. The money lover will go after the person with the money and try to jew them out of their money. Not just money, but those people who hunger for God. So let me, let me, let me, I'm going to be blunt because that's what we do on the Street News Network, folks. I'm going to be blunt with you. Women in this country, and I believe it's women all over the world, have an unquenching thirst for God. They have an unquenching thirst to have a man in their lives, and I'm not saying all women do, but to have a man in their lives who is God-loving, God-fearing, God-supporting to help guide them and help lead them and help walk with them as they get closer to God. They want to know more about God. They want to share God with everyone around them. Okay? Women have this desire to love and to nurture God put women in the position to have babies. So they have it built into them to want to love and to nurture, to support, to, to bring up. Again, not all women, but the vast majority of them. It's not a bad thing, folks. I'm not throwing stones at women for having these desires, for having these needs, because it's necessary. Without that desire to procreate, 
society stops. Without the desire to nurture, to love, and to rear, society stops. Okay? It does. God chose between Adam and Eve which of the two would bear the children, and he put it in Eve to be the bearer of the children, to be the one who sets the, the, the foundation for the child. Now, does that mean children go off the rail? Yes. Even Eve's child, Cain, killed his own brother. Because jealousy crept in. Instead of doing something about his jealousy, instead of going to God and talking to God and saying, God, what am I doing wrong? What is it that Abel is doing that's so right? And what am I doing wrong? Can you help me? Instead of doing that, he took matters in his own hands. And he felt like the best thing to do was eliminate my competition, which is what he did when he killed his brother. Because women have this nurturing, loving desire. Satan will use that to put in front of them crooked men who claim to be of the cloth. Men who claim to have God's ear. <coughs> Excuse me. Men who have a gifted tongue to try to sway you into believing what you want, what they want you to believe. We have a problem because people have a tendency to not want to read the Bible for themselves, to see what the Bible says to them. They'd rather listen to somebody else explain it to them. I strongly encourage you to start reading the book yourself. Read it for yourself and then ask other people what they think about it. But formulate your own opinions because let me tell you something. At the end of the road, when you have to meet your day, you will stand alone and answer the questions for who you are and what you did with the gift God gave you called life. You can't blame somebody else because you went down the wrong road. Now, if you're in a situation where, let's say, for example, if you have a mental disability that prevents you from making sound decisions on any given topic. Yes, you got an excuse. When you get before God, God already knows your circumstances. And if you've done wrong repeatedly, but didn't know you were doing wrong, you're not held accountable for that wrong. Okay? You can't be held accountable for something you didn't know was wrong. And God is not that cruel to do that. But if you do, if you are a person who says, I'm not stupid. I'm not retarded. I'm not mentally you know, broken. I can read and understand. Then start doing it. Stop following behind people who are telling you that you should listen to this, that or the other and do this, that or the other just because they tell you to do so. Don't allow so-called preachers to mislead you. When you go to church, open your Bible. When he quotes a scripture, even read a scripture, trail along, but take some paper with you to study it. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, understand what it means to be a Christian. Understand Christianity is all about striving to be Christ-like. When you commit a sin, recognize you've committed that sin and then repent. Repentance is not just saying, hey, I'm sorry I did that. 
Repentance is acknowledging that you did commit the sin and then focusing your life on never repeating that sin again. Will you become sin free for the rest of your life? Probably not because Satan is going to use all of your weaknesses to keep you sinning. However, you can repent one sin at a time. You can eliminate one sin at a time out of your life, but you have to consciously do it. You have to say, okay, I'm never going to lie again. No matter how bad the truth hurts, I'm always going to tell the truth. I'm not going to lie. That's what you have to do. You have to commit to turning your life around so that you then have the effect on other people that you can share. That, ladies and gentlemen, is your testimony. There's no such thing as a testimony without a test. You have to be tested to have a testimony. You have to have gone through the fire and survived it in order to be able to talk somebody else out of the fire. No testimony without a test. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about Christianity. What type of Christian are you? How does Christianity affect you? Where will Christianity take you? How much of Christianity will you avoid? How much of Christianity will you ignore and act like it doesn't really exist? Nobody can make that decision for you. You have to make it for yourself. The devil's not going to make you do it. Stay with us, folks. We're coming back for some more soon. <laughs>